Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning, Ned. Ciao, Davide. Where are you? I'm on the outskirts of Foligno, where the SR316 meets the SS75 at the intersection with the Via Romana Vecchia. Expect minor delays at the crossroads at the Viale Firenze, as the finishing touches are being made to a statue to Merseyside's Steve Cummings to commemorate five years since his stage four victory into Foligno at Terreno Adriatico. Further congestion is expected in town today, as several temporary road closures are in place due to the arrival of the Giro d'Italia. It's a murky Monday morning, overcast for now with a chance of isolated showers. The temperature is a chilly 12 degrees at 6.37am and you're listening to The Morning Butterfly with me, Ned Bolting and David Miller. Here's Shack Attack. Never Stray's Farfalle is brought to you by Chapter 3 and The Roadbook. Chapter 3 was created by David Miller in 2015 with the vision of creating cycling clothing that he would wear as a retired racer. Now they've made cycling kit to meet you wherever your ride takes you. And the good news, it's launching next month. In 2018, a team of dedicated enthusiasts delivered the inaugural edition of The Roadbook Cycling Almanac, an annual publication supplying data, essays and anecdotes from the racing calendar. The Roadbook has become the definitive companion of any serious fan of the sport. Documenting how the season bounced back from the pandemic, the latest 2020 edition has arguably never had such an important place on our bookshelves. Between us, we're giving away four full sets of Chapter 3's new kit, two men's and two women's, as well as four signed copies of the 2020 Roadbook. Plus, four sets of caps and socks with RB Exercise Book and Musette, bookmark as a secondary prize. All you have to do is head to the episode notes and click the link. Where is the pink jersey as the camera looks down and sees him there? I think we can say goodbye to the stay from Attila Valta in the pink jersey. But look at the way Bouchard is riding now and Kern Bauman. You cannot separate them. Egan Bernal! After all, is he going to break the hearts of the two riders at the front? Look how fast he's going up the road. On this massive stage that has been brutal from start to finish, and one rider, one rider above all, rises to the top and takes the win, takes the jersey, and makes a huge statement. You're going to have to dig very deep and do something special to stop Egan Bernal winning the Giro. Well, that was a bike race, Ned. Crikey, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, That's definitely what it was. We can be sure of that. Yeah, Bernal was, um, is back. That was yeah. His back doesn't seem to hurt, does it? No, he's literally back Not without the back problem. It's um. I mean, that was just violent. Uh, it's. I mean, you you referenced it when you sent me a message either that it was like Tyson had just entered the ring when he went, and it was only after that that I I watched it and I was like, whoa, that was. 
I mean, it's just, and he's, yeah. he clicks into the big ring at the end as well. I mean, it, was, yeah. it was like a full-blown kind of, well, it was just a very, very long sprint. It was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, the, the, thi- the thing that you mentioned with the big ring, I think, is, is the absolutely the salient detail that just kind of goes to explain just how kind of, yeah, violent that was. And, and the, the point I was trying to make with, with the Tyson thing was, um, you remember how Mike Tyson just, to my mind, just looked different from any other boxer, mm. sort of before or after, you know, um, because he was, there was something slightly uncontrolled about him, wasn't there, Tyson? Yeah. It, was, it, look, it looked to me like there wasn't a great deal of souplesse or technique in what he did, just, just raw psychopathic violence when he was sort of 20 years of age. Mm. Well, this looked, um, this looked like a different Egan Bernal, didn't it? When I think of his, uh, his, his attacks on, on, big climbs and top, you know, and a couple of years ago, uh, they're quite elegant. He's quite, he's quite poised on a bike, doesn't mm. he? He looks like, he looks really good. This just, he was thrashing the bike from side to side, wasn't he? Yeah. And um, as if he was, as if that, as if that's, that attack has been a long time coming, I felt for him, you know, there was a lot contained within it, like a year of frustration and all the doubt surrounding his condition. Mm. Um, yeah, it did feel like and, that. And, it, oh, and I think it's, um, it's also, we mustn't forget all those attacks we've seen in the past. Um, most, cause we haven't, although he won the Tour de France, we haven't seen him race that much relatively, I think, the, the wider public. And often his attacks are done from quite a long way out. And I, I think I was probably surprised as everybody when he was over the moon yesterday about it being his first ever Grand Tour stage win. And which just was, oh, oh yeah, that's probably why you looked so aggressive because it was actually an attack in a final for a stage win whereas normally they're they're behind the front of the race those attacks that he's doing to win gc they're they're a long way out so they have to be very paced and controlled and as you said they do often appear quite elegant and and in control whereas this one he was chasing the finish line and he was going for a win mm. and and it was a very different egan and i guess that revealed a lot a side of him that is always there we just don't see it because of the way he races normally um, but yeah, it's, and I do agree that I think it did feel like, I think for us viewers, it, it was kind of almost like a two year pent up kind of release yeah. of possibly tension and just anger and pride. Um, it was really cool to watch. So you, it's probably worth explaining, isn't it, David, why that isn't, why that is technically his, well, is it technically his first Grand Tour stage win or not? I mean, I, I'm trying to remember what happened on that day in the Alps when he didn't stroke, did win the stage and did win the Tour de France effectively. Was he not on the podium as the stage winner that day? Because no, when the two riders or, on the road. Oh, were there? I thought, thought there was. I was so focused on his race and it's so long ago. My memory's so poor. Or not. That I'm going to have to have a, I'm going to have to have a look. Um, I can't remember. I, I mean, but, mm. but the, in, the interview that he gave yesterday, maybe not, was um, was absolutely amazing, David. Um, he gave a very humble, very kind of moving interview in English in his in his wonderful English. I'm just yeah, you're right. Valterrance, he finished fourth. Three riders up the road. And Valterrance, no Valterrance. Wait, Valterrance was the no. was stage twenty, stage nineteen in Tatine. Yeah, he was. He was the first rider on the road. He was the first sure. rider on the road. Okay, well, yeah. But, but, but if stage. you look at his, if you look at his results, mm. it. DF. Yeah, plus even if it, 
um so it's yeah. not yeah there was no there was no stage winner declared no. on that day hmm. he was the first rider over the road and his time gap you know propelled him up to to the uh, yellow jersey in the general classification he finished fourth the next day on that stage one by that shortened stage mm. to uh Valtons one by Nibali so yeah uh, yeah so that was Maybe. his yeah I thought they'd given him that stage but weirdly they, they never I think did, even so. if they had it wouldn't have really felt like it would it I think so. No, clearly you need not. to go. You want to cross the finish line. You don't want to be pulled off by, pulled off the road by team, um, by um, race direction. But yeah, so oh, I didn't see his interview. So what was he saying? Why yeah, was it sorry. Moving? He it's incredibly moving, David. He he. Um, so he gave his uh, answers in English, and then Jeff Kenney asked him in Spanish. Uh, for, obviously, for the Colombian audience at home. And uh, uh, my rudimentary understanding of Spanish was just about enough to allow me to understand that Jeff was suggesting, finally, you've joined the ranks of the Colombian greats of your generation. Uh, Naira Quintana, uh, Esteban Chavez, Rigoberto Urán, etc., who have won stages of Grand Tours. And uh, there was a long pause as Agan kind of eyed it from behind his mask. That's the whole thing, the poignancy of it as well. You just saw his eyes. And he was looking hard and intently at Jeff as if he hadn't understood the question, which he clearly had. But the reason he paused was because he was suddenly um, submerged by a wave of emotion. And he just, he, he broke down. He was, tears were rolling from his eyes and he could barely speak. Um, that's, how much, that's how much that victory meant to him yesterday. It's amazing. Wow, that's it amazing. Really, that really is amazing. And the other thing is, David, I don't yeah. think he... It was one of those stages that was so chaotic that I don't think he knew he'd won. Oh, really? Yeah. I think, okay. I think, the, Swanee, so I think the Swanee a... told him when he actually got over the line. And then you see that, you see yeah. a little moment where it's suddenly, you know, the relief comes. But over the line, I think he thinks that there are riders still up the road. Huh. That makes it. That's, yeah, it's very cool. Or you know, we spoke about this. In, we've spoken about this in the past. So sometimes, if you want it that much, which clearly he did, hence the breaking down afterwards, you don't allow yourself to believe it. So you're, you're all in. You're putting that effort in, but sometimes you have to be wait to be told. And perhaps that it was that was the case. But yeah, I mean, certainly from the images I saw, it looked incredibly chaotic. Uh, one of my takeaways was just the, the chaos of the vehicles around the riders as well. Ooh, yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't, I mean, it was proper old school bike racing, kind of cars dodging out the way and the speed and also the speed that Bernal came up on those two riders that were off the front. I mean, that was just terrifying because yeah. I tell you, that was a big takeaway for me as well. When I turned it on or when I was watching the highlight reel you sent through to me because I was out yesterday afternoon is even the two guys off the front looked really good. Oh yeah. They, I mean, they had a great race. They, they had a brilliant race. They weren't exactly creeping and the, they weren't falling to pieces on that final climb, yeah. which I think made it even more impressive what Bernal did yeah. and, and dis- disappointing for them. <laughs> who was it? It was um, uh, A.G. Tuar's Geoffrey Bouchard, who it was set off ah, set off on the day. He won the King of the Mountains at the Vuelta last year, David. It looked really good. Kind of a yeah. skinny dude, kind of. Mm. But that was his biggest achievement to date. And he's, he's in the jersey. He's in the jersey on this race. But it was one of those amazing stages where he sets off in Hunt of Mountains points gets the better of Gino Meda, who's at was well, in the jersey at the beginning of the day, um, accrues enough points. And actually, he was he was amazing because he was, again, the formation of the breakaway took ages. And Bouchard was always there in whatever selection, forcing it, forcing it, getting to the climbs, winning the climbs, forcing another group. His legs were amazing yesterday because it's such a hard stage. Um, and then all of a sudden in the, fi- in the final quarter of the, of the uh, stage, it becomes evident 
that he's got enough points in the bank to take the jersey, but now you can win a stage, you know? But only mm. if you drop the likes of Balka Mollema and George Bennett, who was in the break, and da 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 And he, he just rode away from all of them. And he was only caught um, in, on that final gravel climb by Jumbo Visma's Cohen Baumann, who's, who we know from a couple of years ago, he won a stage of the Dauphiné, you know, that slender young Dutch lad. They, were both, they both had an amazing race. And as you say, they were caught in the last few hundred metres. As um, It would have been fascinating. And I actually feel slightly cheated on behalf of those two, that despite how much fun it was to watch Egan Bernal, we didn't see either of them actually hold on to win because I, I just have no idea which of them would have done would have would have won they they were kind of groveling at the absolute extent of their powers side by side and it was the toss of it was yeah. just the toss of a coin i think but you're right that that helicopter shot when banal catches them and just you know and it all but that's that, that's stage racing isn't it it's just wonderful to watch mm. the thing that you understand innately about the difference between a rider who's been in a breakaway and a gc rider who's been in inverted commas protected um it's just night and day, isn't it? When he went, it was, uh, mm. it's just, Bouchard was, Bouchard was, was gutted, so was, David. He was absolutely gutted in his interview with, um, with Jeff afterwards. He was, you know, distraught really. Yeah. But anyway. Well, he only finished, I mean, he's 22nd at 38 seconds at the finish line, which when you consider the day out he's had is a remarkable mm. achievement. Mm. And so, so I can imagine why he's gutted because it's only because the GC race opened up yeah. in a, the explosive manner it did. And was it Danny Martinez who was doing that insane Moscon. ride? Moscon. It was Moscon. That's what I thought it was Moscon. I just looked at the results now. I couldn't see because I was sure. But, and you mean, you mean Mos- on the gravel? Uh, Martinez got ninth. On the gravel. To set, on the gravel, yeah. yeah. It was, it was Moscon yeah. being Moscon. I thought know. it was Moscon. And it was then, but just, uh, then he's just piped it because I'm just trying to look down the results. But he was ripping it to pieces. Yeah, terrifying. I mean, it was like, it was so impressive, that ride. Because, I mean, that's, that's essentially what set it up. But, I mean, the facts that, Burner was feeling so good to have Moscon do something like that. And again, that's an interesting with a rider like Moscon because he's been a bit quiet a couple of years ago he was doing this, or is it even as far as three years ago he was doing this, where he came on the scene and we were just just it was taking our breath away with how well he was climbing. And then he kind of has gone quiet again. And perhaps he's the sort of rider that needs a leader like Bernal to give him that role to kind of come out with these exceptional rides because that truly was yesterday. And it, it, it was essentially the launch pad yeah. that set Bernal off because everyone was just peeking out on Moscon's wheel. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. yeah. And then Remco got caught out a little bit. Well, Remco was, what do you think about? Cause I mean, I, I defer to you on, on Remco watch, David, what do you think about his race well, yesterday? Obviously I, um, I thought it was riding very well. <laughs> I, I actually, <laughs> I actually, I, I took a picture, I must send it to you, I took a picture of him doing an interview on TV, because I did turn it on, but it was like 90Ks to go, and and I, I, the kids weren't really interested in it. But I got to see a little interview of, of Remco on TV, and then about, just before I was going out, about 30 or 40Ks to go, it looked like they were in crosswinds again. Yeah. Is what the impression, yeah. and Remco was like right on the front, and I was like, oh, Remco's going to be fine, I'll go and play tennis with Archie. What? Um, <clears throat> what? 30Ks to go on yesterday's I to, stage. I, I know, I know. It's the only time we had the court. So um, I had to take priority. Mate, you've yeah. got everything wrong know, in your life, haven't you? You're just all over the place at the moment. <laughs> or everything right. I don't family, know. Family, Yeah, I am literally all over the place. You know, that's, God, anyway. Oh, but anyway, God. yeah, Remco was, Remco, Remco was on the front, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, so he was ripping it, and I thought, okay, Remco's looking good, he's going to be fine. And then as she, and when I watched the highlights back, um, I didn't notice the moment where he was caught out in positioning. No, it's, it's hard um, to know. So that was earlier before. Well, it was pr- so where was this tunnel they talk of? It was of? in the tunnel, I think, that Remco just lost a few wheels. Well, it was, where was well, it was kind tunnel? of leading under this, it was in the final 3K, 4K. They, oh, so they, right they disappeared. They disappeared. <laughs> the entire yeah. So apparently they they touched they touched wheels right and just like didn't go down but slammed their brakes yeah. on and lost it at the, at the time when Moscano was just drilling yeah. it. So when they came out the tunnel, um, Remco was down the line of fate. I mean, it's a pretty small group, but he was he he'd lost he lost position. And no sooner they come out of the tunnel than they hit the gravel climb. And actually, um, you know, uh, you, but you'll know this as president of the um, Remco. Evenepoel Girona mm. fan yes. club that you're kind of very much, uh, you know, you run really, don't you? Thank you. Um, mm. the, he actually, I think with the benefit, I mean, it's, if you look at that footage in detail, I'm sure you have and kind of zoom in like, have, yeah. like, like yeah. Blade Runner enhance, <laughs> enhance, yeah. enhance, you know, yeah. um, you can, Minority, Minority report. report. Yeah, exactly. If you're with your, you've probably got a control room in your, in your office <laughs> with a big screen. Remco, Remco screen like that, <clears throat> your, yeah, kind of like Remco yeah. ball that comes down a little shoot like that. Anyway, um, that's a bit weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know what it's like actually. I was just thinking because I'm just looking. I got an amazing kind of shiny white table that's empty at the moment. It would be perfect for having, you know, the way NBC have those three day three D riders. <clears throat> yeah, they've got proper graphics, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I need, like a little kind of 3D holographic oh, kind of game room in here. And then that way, and I could actually follow Remco in real time in kind of in a 3D projection. Oh, that would be like mon- like Minority goes. Report. With a, yeah. With a, like Minority with a Report. Kind of like, awesome. like a touch glove thing that you animate <clears throat> the screen with. And yeah, that would be, and, the, and what is it, Vivaldi yeah, one, that plays when he does it? That kind of music? Oh. Like that? That would be me, but, me and me and Remco. But every day, just studying him from afar. Every day of racing, it would be like there would be a degree of tension as to which <clears> number, <throat> which dossard number rolls down the ramp, you know, carved into the little ball. Oh, yeah. But every day it's Remco, <laughs> and the, compu- the computer like, comes like, up. God, Remco Evenepoel, Belgium. <laughs> then you you jump in your day. car and you go off in search of him. Um, Anyway, anyway, if you enhance, um, enhance, enhance the footage and you enhance again and you see in real time that little white jersey of little Remco. Actually, I think he's done a really good ride is what I'm trying to say. Because he was... He did, he did an he amazing caught ride because I watched he, it closely. I think he weaves his way. If you had Remco cam, mm. if you could isolate him on that climb, which unfortunately we can't. Yeah. But I think you'll see him just picking off riders and working his way up. And actually, probably his time, if you took it from the bottom to the top of the climb... It's probably second to Benal. Actually, yeah, you know, I think, I think so. he was second best. Uh, and he, when, because obviously I was <clears throat> watching Remco quite closely, he looked at, although he was going the same speed probably as Egan and Egan, Bernal, uh, in those last K and a half, he looked very in control. He comes across the line still looking just solid on the bike. So it's almost as if he kind of caught out and then, then again, rode a pretty... I mean, just controlled, restrained race to damage, limit the damage. So to finish fourth, 10 seconds down on burnout after being caught out where he was, pff, not terrible. I, I'm not worried. Okay. And also, well, nor should De Koenig Quickstep be because it's exactly as they outlined their plan, didn't they? So oh, it's give perfect. him the jersey. It's perfect. Give him the jersey. We'll sit on the wheels. It's almost, almost as if they planned almost it. Almost as if they planned it. In the tunnel, break. 
go back. We don't want you to win today, Remco. Hold, hold, yeah, make it harder for everybody hold else. Back, hold back. But, yeah. yeah. Hold so, back. So, yeah, the, so that was good. Dan Martin on his wheel. Yeah. Actually, I'll ask Dan. I'll ask Dan. I'll ask Dan. Yeah. He was like literally there in the hot seat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually. I'm going to ask Dan. I'm going to message Yeah, he Dan. might be able to get you Remco's autograph as well, mid race or something. A little, you know, little message. Too early. Too soon. Too soon. I don't want to put him off. <laughs> no, he's going really well, Dan Martin. But hey, the echelons that almost happened cross tailwind on that Castian plateau. That the, um, the, the limestone plateau that I described in ge- yesterday's geology, David. Uh, it was really? the limestone huh. fluvial plain that, crea- that almost created the echelons there again. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. But there's lots more that went yeah, on yesterday. Yeah. In brief, I just wanted to um, uh, uh, kind of reference Matej Mohoric because Barry McLaren, having lost Lander a few days ago, I've been brilliant, David. I don't know. I've never seen a race like this. They've just gone, um, yeah, they've just gone absolutely kind of super, super attacking and into a kind of frenzy. So they, they launched this big attack really early on, on the first climb of the day. They, they, they uh, threw Gino Meda, Mate Mohoric and um, Damiano Caruso, who's their best placed in the GC, up the road. And it created absolute carnage in the uh, group of favourites for a while. And it looked like a stellar move that would completely change the shape of the race forced Simon Yates's team, sorry, Simon Yates's team to chase. And then it was just as it was kind of developing that move, Matej Maric on a corner, on a descent. <sighs> oh, I saw that as well, oh, yeah. Oh, mate, that was awful. I mean, it was just... Mm, that was acrobatic. Crikey. You know, I mean, thank just God like for... It, was, it was like a ragdoll. Yeah, yeah. And he mm. kind of self... So he kind do, of, do they know what happened yet? I think it was just... I think it was... Pilot. Front wheel yeah, lock his up. wheel lock up. He just slammed the, you know, his front front wheel just locked up and he went right over the handlebars and landed on his head. I mean, literally on mm. his head. And then he kind of, what was impressive about Mohoric was A, he got up. And B, he self-censored, you know? Like there was a, oh, there was a feeble bit of intervention by a doctor who was there quite quickly and you're screaming at the telly going, you know, someone needs to tell the no. doctor... Take, sit down, sit What's down. What's just happened? Because we know, yeah. we've seen the pictures, we've seen the replays. You can bet there's a bunch of people in the convoy who've seen the replays, you know, including the UCI com. Someone needs to tell the doctor, this is not a rider who can continue. But Mohoric was given a bike or his bike was picked up and he's kind of like presented with the opportunity of just carrying on without a check. How do, this is, is What's so remarkable about this, Ned, is it just keeps happening. Yeah. This is... I, I don't understand how there isn't, and I empathise with the chaos of bike races. We all know that, and it, but there has to be some way of improving this this concussion checking and this this post crash kind of analy- roadside analysis that, that doctors do because at the moment it's just a it's inconsistent, it's it's incompetence, dare I say. So. It's, um, it's certainly something that rather than worrying about aero tucks and stuff like the UCI do, is perhaps put a bit more effort into this post-crash trauma treatment. Well, give the, give the, doctors, anyway, right give the doctors a radio and put them in touch with the, with the you know, the, so at the finish line, there is the UCI have a, have a, mm. a, a referee's truck where they're looking at the, you know, constantly looking at the footage to sort of pick up on things that they're going to, act on in a disciplinary fashion. They also saw the Mohoric. They need to relay that instantly to the doctor, you know, to pull him off the race. Anyway, whatever. Um, he's okay, I think, staggeringly, okay. uh, but he's off the race, which is a big shame. I thought uh, Attila Walter did really well yesterday, although Grupama's 
Group Palmer FTJ's tactics kind of um, puzzled me a little bit because they rode quite hard. There was a rider in the break. Who was it? Tanel Kangat, who was in, just about four minutes down on GC. So Group Palmer FTJ kind of pegged the gap at three and a half minutes and then Dan brought it. And I just thought... It's unnecessary. Why, why are you doing that? Because you could let that go right out to six or seven minutes mm. and still not be threatened by Tanel Kangat because the momentum of the GC race will just shave minutes off as we've seen the speed with which they finished. And then, and then yeah. you'll have two races. You'll give away the time bonuses to the, to the breakaway. You'll neutralize that threat. Um, and you'll give, you'll give your leader Walter a chance then of hanging on because he had 11 seconds to lose to Avonapool and 16 to Bernal. Now, as it happened, he probably would have lost the Jersey anyway, but they, they hampered him you know, by the way they were riding, um, which was a shame, yeah. but it looked good. I mean, they had, they it looked good. <laughs> you know, they honoured the, they honoured yeah. the jersey in that sense. And exactly. maybe they were getting, always going to lose it. I don't know. Just getting the hang of it, maybe just pride. Just getting, yeah. and perhaps they were already sort of resigned to their fate yesterday so. so they go down in flames. More importantly, what time's the race start today? Uh, super late. It's really mm-hmm. short today. Uh, okay. That's why Dan's still asleep. <laughs> There's no blue ticks yet. Have you, Come on, wake up, Dan. We need news on Rembrandt. Is it grey ticked you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just, it's not awake yet. Yeah. It's 721. Hey, by the way. So um, it'll be wake you up. By the way, a couple of things yesterday. They, yeah. um, I'll tell you what, they nearly, RCS, the organisation, uh, were, this time yesterday, were terrified about that stage. They nearly cancelled it. Why? Uh, because they thought it was going to be torrential rain. I mean, the weather here has been very, Ooh. very unstable for days, as you've seen. Um, and it did spit and spat with rain throughout the day. But they thought if that really starts to rain, that gravel section, 1600 metres, that's going to be unraceable. So we nearly, we nearly, but they, mm. they sat tight, they held their nerve. And I'm really glad they did because, you know, it was, uh, it was worse. When was it? Was it 10 years ago we first did Strada Bianchi roads in um, the Giro? I think it was, wasn't it? When Cadell won the stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Because that was the first time they, they, they that was the first time they put the gravel roads, well, in modern times, because obviously the Giro used to be all on gravel roads because mm. there wasn't anything else. But, um, and I was in that stage, I remember, I think I finished 10th in that stage. David Miller. And it was, I know, it's brutally savage. But it was so cool because we were coming, everyone knew we were going to be hitting these gravel roads and it actually, no one had much experience with it. The bikes weren't kind of set up properly and it was pishing down with rain and it, I remember we came into the first section and we hit it about, I was like 220, 230k stage, if I remember. So we hit maybe 170, we hit the first section and we came ripping into off the road because everyone was nervous. And we came off this really fast, beautiful Tuscan road descent and just turned left onto this dirt track. <laughs> I remember I was hitting it and it just being chaos. And then looking down and just going, whoa, I was just getting like, I was absolutely covered in mud. But then I looked across the riders next to me, I think Vino was next to me, and I just looked at him, and he looked at me, <clears throat> and we just couldn't even tell each other, see, kind of really, it was just absolutely covered in mud. And I thought, oh my God, <laughs> and we still had like 40 k's to go, and there was people crashing, and it was just, and everyone was in shock. We were like a bunch of like lycra-crad roadmen, all of a sudden looking like we'd just been dragged through a muddy field behind a tractor. That is not the sort of thing we were used to, and uh, it was just, it ended up being one of those awesome days, because everyone was just like, kept looking down at ourselves, and looking at each other, and feeling... <laughs> 
feeling kind of knowing knowing this is going to go down in history and just so i don't know sometimes it's good when it rains and those things cause it just turns it into a fun day out if you're in, if you're feeling okay yeah. but yeah oh well that's yeah, good times yeah. i recommend people look that up look up that stage because it's uh, it's quite famous yeah. and you just see the the state that everybody was we've in. got a bit more um we've got a bit because we're heading into kind of stradibianchi <clears throat> territory now so foligno where i am today and where the stage finishes is actually quite a kind of a regular haunt of tirreno adriatico um Steve Cummings, as I alluded to in my travel and news report uh, earlier on, Steve Cummings won here in um, in that that golden year that he had in 2016, where he won a stage of every single race that he entered. You remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was ripping. Basque that year. Country, Tour yeah. de France, Dauphiné, uh, Tirreno Adriatico. It was like you know what the weird one it was like the naissance of Steve Cummings. Yeah, it was a- it kind of it wasn't a renaissance it was like kind of his whole career we'd spoken about him being such a phenomenal bike racer and then all of a sudden it all happened at once when he was like 33 or something and i think he i think he won the is that the year he won the tour tour of britain and also did he win the national champions like you he was one of those riders who doubled up did the time trial and the um Time Channel, road, right. Yeah, I think that was that year, maybe the next one. I don't know. Anyway, but uh, yeah, Foligno. And then after the rest day, rest day tomorrow, after the rest day, the next st- uh, finish, stage 11, is Montalcino. Montalcino, I think it's called. And that is... Oh, wine, wine, wine country. country. And it features... That's a... that's a, I think that's a waypoint on Stradibianchi, isn't it? And it features some of the Stradibianchi roads. Uh, so uh, we've got a bit more... Are you going to go to our... F- can you get to that wine place tomorrow? Uh, that wine place... Mm-hmm. Remember, remember Andrew Hawes from Metzendorf told us about the um, uh, yeah. oh, there's yeah. a wine place, like a bike museum. I'll try. Uh, yeah, I'll try. There's a lot. I've got a lot to do tomorrow because we've got the Philippe Gilbert uh, event, which you can still, uh, of course still you register have. for at four, yeah. uh, 4.30 UK time. Oh, yeah. Tell us more well, about I've that. Done, I've, yeah, it's just well, that. I promo, you know, go to the Roadbook, sign up to the Roadbook Society or go to the show notes and, and join the um, Never Strays Fafale newsletter link thing. And it's all, all the information mm. there. And you'll nice. get you'll get the alerts and you'll get the code. But um, come along. You can ask Philippe Gilbert questions. Um, and uh, awesome. that'd be really cool. He's really up for that, by the way. He's really looking forward to it. Um, That's that'd be cool. cool. That's 4.30 UK. To, um, um, so anyway. Yeah. So, want to share, so, so is that a hard stage? On, so is that a hard stage? Know, on Wednesday, then. Yeah, I think it is. Ah, see, you crack. I think it is. I think it might be. Does that does that help? It will be because it's full of yeah, full of little of. hilltop towns and kind of. Oof, ow, that hurts. Ow, ow. Oof, you know, kicker after kicker after kicker, kicker after kicker. What was strange about yesterday's stage that was so dynamic throughout the race was I actually I'd talked myself out of being excited before the the stage started yesterday because the more I looked at the climbs yesterday. Uh, the more I, I thought, oh, nothing's going to happen, you know, because although there were lots of them, they were all 15 kilometres long and 4%. There, were no, there was mm. nothing steep and there were big wide roads as well. So I thought, oh, this is just, actually, everyone's going to wait until the final and it's just going to be a dirge. Uh, but but yeah. the way this Giro <laughs> is being raced by teams, it's really adventuresome. It's great. And uh, the way, you know, it wasn't just Bahrain victorious. There were Movistar and um, Bike Exchange. They all had a little, you know, they're all up for it. They're up They're, they're up for it. It's been a really mm. good race so far, don't you think? Or is it just me with my natural yeah, I enthusiasm? So. I don't know. 
no, I think it's definitely a lot of it's your natural enthusiasm, <clears throat> but um, which is great, and that's why you're very thanks, good at this. Thanks, thanks. Uh, but I think it has, Ned. Good. I think it, I think it has, and I think it's um, yeah, because the Giro's can be quite underwhelming at times. Although everyone kind of talks them up, and everyone forgets you kind of have to wait until the last few days for it to kind of really get exciting. And so then the Giro ends and everyone just remembers those last few days and it being amazing. And they forget that there were two weeks, two and a half weeks before where it was a bit meh. Yeah. So it's pretty cool that already this year, the first week's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Thursday, Wednesday is quite tricky. And then Thursday looks really hard. Yeah, it's quite hard. Giro's quite hard to win. It's quite hard. It's quite a hard, it's quite bike, a hard race. bike race. I'll tell you, it was amazing yesterday because it's quite uh, cold on the finish line yesterday. We were at 1600 meters, you know, and it was a miserable, the weather is pretty mm. miserable, but we've got this amazing, so I've been trying to learn Italian for the last couple of years, as you know, and um, I just, mm. t- there's not time in the day to do my Duolingo <laughs> kind of like 20 minutes of practice that I do. Um, and also it's quite embarrassing Duolingo, sort of your phone speaks Italian and you have to speak Italian back to your phone, which is fine in, Lew- which is fine in Lewisham, but you feel really stupid doing it in mm. Italy, you know? <laughs> um, so I've got, a, what I've done instead is I've got a human Duolingo uh, in the shape of our sound engineer, Paolo, who sits behind us and speaks not a word of English um, and doesn't, doesn't really like cycling either, but he likes, awesome. Paolo likes life. Um, and mm. more than liking life, he really likes food uh, every mm. bit as much as he likes life. So there's this, um, there's this bit towards the, if you, if you were to watch the international feed, which is hard to watch in the UK legally, um, you will see right at the end after the podiums, I've referenced it before, they roll in this little VT, this videotape of the locally produced food, a recipe from the region. And we never know what it's going to be. There's, there's this moment of tension. I have a little voice in my ear. The Italian director goes, and now a regional food. And, um, <laughs> and mm. I go, okay. And it's food. I go into local DJ mode. It's great fun because no one's watching at that point. I go, and now it's time for food. Like that. And at that point, Paolo sits forward, like really cranes forward because he's really excited to see what the regional food is. Um, <laughs> And he's like, he's kind of like, he's nudging me and tapping me. If it's something he likes, he's kind of like going, yeah, 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 yeah. Pul, polipo, you know, like all that. But yesterday he was, su- yesterday he was super excited all day because outside our commentary position on the mountainside, there was a barbecue set up and they were, they were barbecuing uh, arrosticini. You know what those are? Oh, they're oh, lovely. Mate. The little lamb skewers, little little bits of, I don't mm. eat much meat. At home, I barely eat meat at all, but I've eaten quite a lot over the last couple of days. Arrosticino, mm. little skewered lamb. A lot of you listening will know exactly what that is. And he kept going out and bringing us more. I must have eaten about 17 of them oh, yesterday. Amazing. He bought us a glass of wine mm. as well. That was pretty cool. Like, I didn't actually drink any because I think it crosses good. the line in commentary, but I, but it just sat there kind of tempting me. Um, yeah. So that was... Like just slaughtering lambs. Yeah, it was pretty biblical. It was yeah. pretty biblical. Um, <laughs> listen, t- just to end on, uh, David, because this is quite a long pod already, but just, just to end on, and talking about livestock, um, another race yesterday. Well, actually, there were a bunch of races yesterday. Andre Greipel won a race yesterday. And I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Good he on him. away some hitters as well. I think he beat Christoph and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, but huh. more than that... Trobro Leon was raced. Trobro Leon, um, yeah, which is 
you know, you probably never, you probably never raced that, did you? Like, did you? Just came around towards the end of my yeah. career, um, and then it was still quite a smaller race. It's, it's, it's grown in stature. It's another one. It's kind of the French Strada Bianchi. Yeah. Um, hipster race yeah it's, it's pretty cool it's a hipster race it's very cool but everyone all the riders that ever do it love yeah. it it's, it's a rider's favourite which is always always good it's got good vibes yeah it's a Breton um, it's a Breton race on kind of well Breton terrain which is not exactly flat but the, what really marks it out is um, tiny little roads some of which are unmade so farm farm tracks and stuff like mm. that and it's a really hard ro- and you know what here's, here's, here's your link Ned is um Brittany is to France what Yorkshire is to the UK when it comes to the heartland of cycling. Completely. Completely. Mm. Uh, yeah, and yesterday it was won by Connor Swift from Arkea Samsic. Uh, it's his, mm. his first ever professional victory. And um, I know that Connor's um, really, really well respected on that team, Arkea Samsic. And his coach, whose name eludes me now, his DS, who works very closely with Connor, um, is, uh, I'll, I'll have to think about it and put it, uh, uh, reference him tomorrow, but he's a Breton. I mean, he's like uber Breton. He's pure he's Breton. Mr. Br- he's Mr. Brittany. Like he's, um, and it will absolutely, and he's very, very close to Connor, and, you know, very fond of him, I think. He will be delighted that Connor Swift won uh, Trobo. Leon yesterday and actually um, quite late last night Connor sent me uh, this little reaction to his victory ah uh, thanks a lot for the uh, for the message I'm sure you're uh, pretty busy over there but yeah today it's just uh, absolutely amazing you know to take to take this win for my team this is where they're based and this is like their world champ so uh, to pull that off to the day for them it's uh, just massive and obviously it's my First, uh, you know, professional victory. Well, obviously, the national champs, but you know, first pro uh, victory in like in Europe. So it's uh, absolutely huge. And back in 2017, it was the first ever professional race I did. And uh, I can remember I was just starstruck when I came home. You know, with the helicopter, with the race radios, just the the off-road sections. I was just addicted to this race. And I actually went home and I said to my cousin Ben, I was like you know what, I uh, I want to do a result at that race one day and I want to win it. And then here we have it. Um, third ta- And then I raced it for the second time as national champion, had a bit of bad luck, and then this was the third time round. And uh, yeah, I just just before the race, I was just super motivated. And uh, just in the race, I was just kind of save, save, save. And I kind of felt I was like one of the stronger ones there in the final and uh, lessons learned. I celebrated a little bit too early, but luckily, uh, you know, I, I actually got the win. So, uh, yeah, I'm just super, super happy. And, um, yeah, just just made up, really. Thanks. So there we go, David. Um, stuff. Bunch of stuff there. I like the idea of your minority report, Remco Control Centre. I want you to... I want you to work on that. Yeah, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to start uh, looking into yeah. technologies that could support. I'm still waiting for a blue tick from Dan Martin, to be honest with you. That's the closest I've got to to my Rem- Remco report at the moment, and I'm not getting anything. <laughs> he must still be asleep, 7.35. Yeah, probably his phone went ping, and he's just, like, his sleep has been slightly disturbed now. So, um, so you've messed mm. It's for a good cause. You've messed up. But it's, listen, Giro's bubbling up nicely. One more day. And um, there's still nine riders within a minute. Ten, uh, just about, actually, within uh, a minute of the Malia Rosa.
which is um that's pretty cool pretty cool <laughs>